Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us, especially here with us for the very first time. Hey, I'm always uh, welcoming our guests. If you're here for the very first time, we always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Here's why, as I know when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So my hope was be you come back and we can be your spiritual family. If you're watching online, do me a favor, like, comment, share, leave a review. Hey, do something in the comments or the chat. Let us know that you're there. It helps us get uh, the message of Jesus out. Today, we are continuing a series called The Art of Being Blessable. And the reason we're doing that, you know, new year, kind of new you, we're thinking about future and plans and what we want to see God do in our life. And what I've realized is that God's blessings, um, and really we're talking about really the blessings of God, the things that come from God, they're not always um, a science, really. You know, sometimes we as pastors, I can come up here and, you know, sometimes we can make the gospel feel very formulaic. We can feel like, well, if you pray this prayer and you do this thing, then God's going to ultimately always do what you ask him to do. And if any of you have ever been saved for longer than five minutes, you've realized right now that when you pray to God, sometimes it don't he don't answer it right come on can we be real in here like sometimes things don't work out the way that you would planned and thought the way that they work out and I don't know why I'm not God so it's above my pay grade why or why not your prayers get answered but I do think that there are some things in the Bible when you look at the Bible there are some characteristics of some ways we live our life there's some disciplines on how we live our life that if we do this man it really sets us up or it positions ourselves to be blessed that's why we call it the art everybody say art yeah, it's an art. It's not a science. So you can't figure God out because if you could, then he wouldn't be God. And so we want to make sure that when we're living a life with God post a salvation moment, man, we can really, really figure this thing out. We're, this series really is about how, how to please God. It's really, if I could, you know, I was trying to be fancy with my title. You know, I really was trying to be. I'm like, the art of being blessable. I think that's going to be cool. If I really could, if you want to be clear about it, it's just how to please God. It's just how to please God. Because when we please God, blessing follows. So today we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 7. If you don't know anything about the Bible, it's a unique book. It's actually a collection of books. And so um, it's a, it can be complicated. It can be confusing. But the first part of the Bible is what we call the Old Testament kind of second part is kind of the New Testament. The New Testament starts Matthew, Mark, Luke, which is the book we're going to be in today. And um, and it's a story of the life of Jesus. And so it's, we call it a gospel. And so the gospel starts with, um, you know, kind of the life of Jesus, his birth, um, you know, talk about his life, his death, and his resurrection. Um, in Luke chapter 7, it's unique because he's traveling Jesus is doing ministry, and he's in ministry, and he's traveling, and he's walking around, and he's kind of at the beginning of it, starting out, and he has this unique moment with, uh, with a lady with an alabaster jar, and, and it's going to be a unique moment because it really highlights the third um, blessable characteristic that we are talked about. So week one, we talked about honor. Everybody say honor. Let me just tell you something. You cannot expect to be blessed by God if you live your life with dishonor. I just can't say it any clearer. Like, honor has so much to do with who you are. Do not let someone else dictate who you are. And so many times, we do, we, what we do is we say, this is how I was treated, therefore I'm going to respond in the craziest way I possibly can, or the meanest way, or the, the, the weirdest way, or I can, I'm going to get back. No, no, no. Honor is about you. And when I, I figured out honor was about me, then honor had nothing to do with that person. It had everything to do with what it's not. You don't have the permission to change me. And when I get that concept, I position myself in God's blessing because he looks at that and he goes, that's so good. You're a son. You're a son. You're part of the family. That's how we do things. We don't let other people dictate. That's what we talked about week one. Week two, we talked about obedience. That was last week. It was really, really good. I mean, this pastor, I think he had a great 
points. I'm telling you, check him out. YouTube is great. And so, uh, but he, he we, we talked about, we talked about the idea of obedience and, and that there is blessing when we learn how to step into the obedience of God, that God's going to ask you to do something one day. He's going to speak to you. And the best wisdom I can give you in any aspect of that, God told you to do something. You better do it. Like obey. And of course, yes, we go to council and we, we look at the scriptures and we make sure we not had bad pizza the night before to make sure it's God, right? That's what the Bible says, test the spirits. But, but I'm saying we, we, when, if you hear a word from God, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to follow him. That's the only reason this church exists because I didn't know anything about San Antonio. He told me to come down here and plant a church. So I asked my pastors and my council, my friends, and my, my, my wife. Come on, how many of y'all know wisdom is found in a woman? Isn't it amazing how the Bible talks about wisdom like a woman? It equates wisdom. When you find her, that's what the Bible says. Wisdom, when you find her. Come on, ladies. This is your time to say amen. This is where you look at your husband. This is where you can elbow him. Say, see, I told you the pastor agrees. It's not the pastor. It's the Bible, right? So, like, come on. How many of y'all know? So we look around. But but when I heard God, it's go to San Antonio, and then just blessing happened. And so that's what we're looking at today. Today with the third one, and I felt like each one of them didn't make y'all happy. Right. Every time I preach these messages this week, I thought this year would start off with like an amen sermon series. This has not been that because it's all the things that we don't want to do. But this is the third one. And I'm going to just give it to you. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Third kind of characteristic or thought we're going to talk about today is called generosity. Generosity. How, how to live. Just so you know, generosity has has nothing to do with money, by the way. Generosity is a spirit. I was talking to somebody there. They said, well, I feel like I just live in poverty. Talk about it, it's like a financial level. Just so you know, poverty is not a financial level. It's a, it's a spirit. Because you can live in poverty and have a lot of money. I know a lot of people who do. They have a lot of money, but they have a poverty spirit. And so because they have a poverty spirit, they cannot let things go that God has them himself given to them. Because they think if I let it go, I won't have none. It's a spirit. And just like poverty is a spirit, generosity is a spirit. Because when you live in a generous spirit with your time, with your energy, with your resources, with your finances, with your relationships, when you live generously, I'm just telling you, blessing follows. I'm going to prove it to you today. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 is where we're going to be. Verse 38, Jesus in the middle of his ministry, and he says this, verse 36, sorry. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Now, this is rare because Jesus didn't really care much for the Pharisees. But I think he did this intentionally because he was wanting to make a point. How many of y'all know if Jesus did something, it was intentional? And he sat down, went to his home and eat. And when a certain immoral woman, a lot of translations say a sinful woman, um, some scholars say that she was known in that city to be like the worst woman, the most sinful, the hated, the one that nobody liked, the one that offended everybody. When she heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. That's important. She found the most expensive thing that she had. And she brought it to Jesus. And then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping, and his tears fell on his feet, and her tears fell on his feet. She wiped him off with her hair. She kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. 
And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, this were a prophet, this man were a prophet of Jesus. If this guy named Jesus were smart enough, if he was just understood the Bible, you know, the Torah that we teach, if he just, if he was just a Christian, you know, if he would just follow God, you know, it's like if he knew, like if he would just know, like I don't know why he don't know this woman, she's sinful, she's sin personified, is touching him. Man, he, he, don't, he don't know. And then Jesus answered in his thoughts. And that's important. You got to be careful sometimes when you're around Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, when, you, somebody's around, when you're around somebody who can read your thoughts and know what you're thinking, it's I got to be careful when I'm around my wife. She seems to know what I'm thinking. You know what I'm saying? You got, come on, guys. Y'all know what I'm talking Yeah. And all the men say amen. Yeah. So we got to be careful. He said, I got something. I like Jesus. He knew what Simon was thinking. I got something to say to you. I got, I'm gonna talk, we're gonna have a conversation. And then Peter, and then Simon, he he dumb. He said, Go ahead. Now it's like, you know, when you're caught, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody say, like, you better not do that, or else and you're like, Well, go ahead and do it then. You know, that's right, he was saying to Jesus. And so Jesus said, told him a story. A man loaned him two people. Loan money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 to the other, but neither could repay him, so he kindly forgave both of them, canceling their debts. And Jesus looked at Simon Peter, and he says, Dude, who do you suppose, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one who canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said, Duh. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. And when I entered your home, what is he highlighting? He's highlighting something. He wants you to see it. So when I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash my feet, which was the natural, basic, decent custom of any home in that region. You didn't even offer me the basics. She's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. Basic level living. And from the first time I came in, she's not stopped not just kissing me, but my feet. You neglected me the courtesy of olive oil, the basics. She's anointed me with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and I like this about Jesus. Jesus' grace doesn't ignore sin. It, it, it extinguishes it. So you got to understand that, like, when you come to God, it's not that God doesn't, like, recognize. It's not that, like, sin doesn't exist. It's not grace level where, like, oh, Yo, you could do whatever you want, and it's no big deal. Jesus recognizes, no, she's a sinner. Yes. And there's, there's, he says, there are many. I know all of them. You thought I didn't know. I knew all of them. I knew the ones you don't know. But they've been forgiven. And so she's shown me so much love because she gets it. But a person who's forgiven little only shows a little love. And Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table among themselves, this is what, this is what religious people do, by the way. Anytime you extend grace to a sinner, there's always a religious person standing there to accuse you of dumb things. Why would you ever do that? Because they don't see what they've been given. And Jesus is saying, no, no, she acted generously. I'm acting generously right now. You see it? And he says, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Today, we get to talk about generosity. Let's pray. Father, I'm honored to be preaching your word every day. I recognize that I do not deserve this 
I get to do this. This is a huge, huge honor. I enter it with uh, the fear of the Lord and pray that, Holy Spirit, you would take my words that I've prepared. They mean nothing without you. They don't need to hear from me today, God. They need to hear from you. Help me to get out of the way. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. My kids recently took, um, I took my children to a, uh, a, a magical event. It's magical. It's the most holy event you could take your child to. It's powerful. It was, it was at the Alamo Dome. It's called Monster Jam. <laughs> and, uh, and if you don't know what Monster Jam is, uh, it's basically monster trucks running over things and doing tricks and fire, music, I mean, dust everywhere, the fumes that burn and singe your nose hairs. You know, it was awesome. We lost a thousand brain cells a minute. It was awesome. <laughs> It was man. Oh, come on, guys. This is man stuff. This was man time. I invited my wife. She says, no, thank you. <laughs> and so I took my boys out, five of them, wall four to 14. And so we took them all there and we got them. Every, it was awesome. It was awesome. You walk out there and there was, you know, Grave Digger and there was, you know, El Toro. And, you know, they had the Lucas Oil Stadium one. And I was like, this is amazing. This is where I belong. You know, this is this is what happens, you know, when you get guys together. So me and my dad took my boys and we were we were having a great time. And what I told my children is I said, look, I'm going to buy these tickets because they were like a thousand dollars a piece. It was like, I don't understand why I have to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's a rite of passage. This is the rite of passage time. Right. And so I'm like, all right, we're going to go do that. I, I don't need a savings account. We'll just pick one of the kids we like the most and they can go to college. And so, you know, we'll just take them to Monster Jam. So, you know, it was expensive. And so we parking was like a hundred dollars, you know, and, you know, we get in there and popcorn's 55 bucks a carton and, you know, hot dog is 18.50. And, you know, and they're like, it's a deal today. I'm like, really? It doesn't feel like it. So, I told my children I knew everything was going to be expensive. I said, well, listen, they had a bunch of um, my, my boys have, um, have Christmas, and all my boys are born in January and February. So Jan December, January, and February, we have no money. And so they got a lot of money for their Christmas and birthdays, and I had money. I said, all right, listen, each of you, if you want, you know how dad always says no to things? I'm going to give you a way to say yes to things because you're going to see a bunch of merchandise and stuff you want. Each of you bring 50 bucks of your money if you want. I said, if you want, you can bring 50 bucks and you can spend it on, I won't tell you yes or no to anything. You can spend it how you want. And they're like, okay, dad, deal. So they go to mom, who's the bank, and they get all the cash that they have and mom kind of explains it to me and they all each have 50 bucks cash. So they, we go to this monster jam and it's amazing. And so we're there and I each, I, while we're watching the, you know, the competition, um, I grab each one of my kids and we go and we go walk around and get whatever they want. And so my first child I picked up was my, my four year old who will be five soon. And his name's Winston. So I grabbed his hand and we started walking and he, I said, whatever you want, buddy, whatever you want to get, you want to get. And so he found a popcorn bucket and of course that was 20 bucks. And we found a, a you know, he found a, we went to the, the merchandise area and the merchandise was um, like there was a little car you know the ones they sell those little matchbox cars at Walmart for a dollar fifty that was fourteen dollars and so we he decided to get that and so we're walking around he got another poster and he got a bunch of things he just got everything he wanted so we're walking around we're walking back to the seat and he looks up and there's this mask of one of the themed characters of the the ride or the 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 trucks and he grabs he goes he goes I want that mask and I was like okay and I said well how much money you got he goes I got twenty dollars left so I'm like, okay. So I look up at this mask. It's the tiniest little mask. It's like not even a tiny, it's a small little tiny mask. And, um, and, and on the back of it is a cotton candy, is a bag of cotton candy. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's got to be 10 bucks, 850. 
I'm sure that's, I mean, it was tiny. It was like, this is nothing. This is, okay, he should be fine. We walk up, and we, he gets the thing, and it's like 20 bucks. So he asks, the guy goes, 20 bucks. And the guy doesn't, I, I guess at that point, when you're just robbing people, you don't want, you don't really care. You have no conscience. And so he's like, yeah, 20 bucks, bro. I'm like, okay. I'm like, are you sure about, for that? He's like, yes, 20. But that, that, that thing that's, that's hanging right there, that tiny little, yes. I'm like, okay. So I told him, that's all your money. He goes, he, you can tell him thinking. He goes, he had his cash in his hand. This is five. He's five. He's figuring it out. He goes, okay, yeah. He gives me the money. I said, okay. So we got this little thing, and he goes back. I said, here you go. I go, do you want to open up the cotton candy? He goes, no. I said, okay. Do you want to wear the mask? He goes, no. I said, that's not normal, right? So I'm like, okay. It doesn't make any sense. We get back to the seat. I sit down. It's me, and it's Winston, and it's my dad, and then it's Judah, my, my next one up, who's, you know, seven. And so he's sitting there, and I'm not kidding you. I sit down. I sit down with him. And I'm going, how are you doing? And I kept trying to give him his cotton candy. So I'm like, this is the time, bro. Jump. We never give you sugar. This is your moment. Go crazy. And he's like, no, 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 no. We sit down. We're sitting there for about three minutes. He grabs his cotton candy, little package thing with the mask. He goes like this. He, goes, and he looks at it. I go, you, you want to eat it? And he goes, no. And he stands up, and he walks over to his brother Judah, and he goes, I give to you. He comes and sits back down next to me. And I go, but that was for you. He has his own money. I'm trying to convince my son. Don't be generous. Don't give it. Don't give it away. This is yours. Keep it. Be selfish. What are you doing? What are you doing? Go get your cotton candy. He goes, no, no. I got it for Judah. And I'm like, sitting there with all the people. And I'm like, and all I could think of was like, all I want to do, son, is take you back out there and buy you more things. <laughs> Has your kid ever shocked you like that? I was just looking at him. I'm like, why, why would you do that? He goes, hi, Dad, I, I buy it for Judah. Because he was thinking back in that moment when he had his $20, he had his last $20. And he's like, man, I could keep it. Now I'm going to buy it for Judah. And kids are funny. I know why he did it. Because you know why he did it. He didn't really understand, right? You think in your mind, you're like, parents, parents are like, well, that's not really being generous. He knows dad is going to give him more. But that's the point. Because what you thought you earned was actually given to you. And so when you live a life, like, oh, yeah, dad's going to give me more. You don't worry about what leaves your hand. Whether it's your money or your time or your resource, your relationship or your love, your kindness. There's a lot of things you can be generous with in your life. And, and, and Winston taught me a lesson that night. He said, no, at that moment, I'd like to live generously because it's honestly, at the end of the day, it's all, it's all dads anyways. Right? In Luke chapter 7, Jesus is highlighting this moment with a woman who, who is more concerned with generosity and a religious person more concerned with propriety about doing the right thing and trying to be the proper person. And, and Jesus is saying, you don't understand. This is what's catching my attention right now. This woman who doesn't be- deserve or belong here, she seems to have figured out that the best thing that you do when the pres- in the presence of God is live generously. Because when I'm generous, blessing happens. And you know what's funny? I bought my kids some cotton candy that night. I did. Because it caught my attention. 
So the question you have to ask yourself is this. Are you generous? I can't answer that for you. You know if you're generous. And the answer is not sometimes. Are you generous? How do you know? Well, I thought I'd answer that for you. That's kind of my, my points today. How do you know if you're generous? I'll give you a hint with the story. If you're taking notes, number one, how do I know if I'm generous? Um, generous people, they give their, their personal best. Not, not their leftovers. They don't give my personal best. They give their, their own personal best. Look at verse 37. It says, when a certain woman, more a woman from that city was eaten there, she brought a alabaster bar filled with expensive perfume. Most scholars believe it would have been over 300 denarii, which would have been almost a year's worth of, of wages for this thing. So we're talking about something that's very rare, very expensive. And the bottom line is she gave her best. Generous people give their best financially. They give their best spiritually. They give their best physically. They give their best in all the least, right? Their life is filled with the general. They think, I'm going to, in this moment, I'm going to give my best. And I've noticed that there's not a lot of things that you and I can bless God with. But this is one of them. Because whenever you live a life of generosity, what you're doing is you're giving God what the thing he won't take. And that's your heart. You're blessing him. The concept of blessing God was always designed to give God something he will not take and one thing he doesn't have because you have not given it to him, and that is your life in all aspects. And so there's not a lot I can give, I can give to God that he doesn't already have. I can give him that. It's like when my children give me stuff. You ever, you know, would your kid ever give you a gift? Anybody ever get like a gift from your kid? Like, your kid's probably never given you anything you can't buy yourself, right? But the concept of them giving was that they lived a life where they can give you something that I could probably go buy myself, but it was so special and so precious because they know that what they have is because I created them. They're on this earth because of me. And they decided to live a life that showed some type of expression of gratitude through, through their generosity. And it blessed me. My son Titus buys me these funny little, um, uh, they're like pop figures. They're like, y'all seen them? They're like little, uh, I should have brought one. I should have brought it. But they're little pop figures that are like little characters, little action figure characters. And uh, he's so funny because he'll just see one and he'll buy me one that he thinks is funny. And so I have him in my office. I never bought one. I could go buy all of them if I needed to. But he, he, he bought them for me. And every time he does it, I just go, I feel so blessed. Because my son didn't need to spend his money on me. But I let him happen. Because why did I do that? Because he's learning. Yeah, it's better to that thing a whole give than it is to receive. And it's a great way to. But there's a story. Go back and read it. Luke chapter 21. It's a story of a, a woman who's a widow. It's called a widow's mite. It's a story. It's famous because Jesus is sitting with his disciples. He's kind of watching the church. He's kind of chilling in the back corner where all the cool people are. And he's just chilling. And he's watching everybody giving the offering. 
and all these people walk up and they're giving and different kinds of people with different socioeconomic statuses and he's walking up and everybody's giving money and everybody's doing something and then this widow comes in which by the way if you're a widow in that time you had no money and no status and no prospects you had no future you really were poor that's kind of how the society worked and so the widow that's why jesus when he, when he came he talked about widows and orphans to take care of it was our responsibilities you take care of those who cannot take care of themselves so he's like this widow comes in she's got two little mites two tiny little pennies two little nothings and she puts it in the offering and it and jesus eyes are opened he's like wow and he says this great statement he says i tell you the truth this found in luke chapter 20 you got to go read it he said the poor widow this poor widow has given more than all the rest for they have given a tiny part of their surplus but she poor she is has given everything she has this woman understands generosity Generous people, they give their personal best. And so that might not have been a lot to you, but that was a lot to her. And they looked at every aspect and every situation in their life, and they're not ashamed of it. They go, no, 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 no. What I do is when I give in this world, whether it's to God or to people, I give my best. So the question you have to ask yourself is, what's your best? Do you give your best? And you got to get like, is this all about money? This has nothing to do with money. I'm talking about every aspect of your life. Do you give your best? Do you go to work on Monday morning and you give your best showing up late? And then asking for a raise? And don't do all your work? And complain about it the whole time? And talk about your church? Please don't talk about your church. (laughs) And that you're a Christian and you don't serve this place and, and... and, and work is unto God. That's what the Bible says. I work everywhere I work as unto God. And so they, they ask, what's your personal best? Because my personal best isn't yours, and your personal best isn't mine. you got to ask yourself that question. Number two, number two. They give more than expected. They give. Generous people give more than expected. Verse 46, you neglected the courtesy of the olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I like that. He says, look, you didn't even do the basics. You All you did was was almost the expectation she surpassed the expectation and gave more than that and he highlights like there was this custom that you kind of even missed and she actually completely completely overtook it and and when you do that the the not only am, am i changed the atmosphere is changed because giving what's expected tends to affect the person but when you give more than what's expected it affects the atmosphere it affects people i I, i'll show it to you the olive oil would have blessed jesus the perfume was fragrant to bless the people do you see it and he's in there because you and i would have been in there and been like i can't believe this woman be up in here doing this this is crazy and then you're like but that does smell good you know what I'm saying? But that does, that just smells good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Keep doing it. And the expected custom was olive oil. She brought in something better because generous people always give more than is expected. And I wonder what life would be like if you and I entered into that world like that. Like if we lived life where we're like, I'm going to give a little more than expected here. Like I know I should. Like what's expected right now is this, but I'm going to give a little more than is expected. Have you ever tipped somebody a little more than what is expected? 
Some of you are like, I barely tip what's expected. So no. <laughs> if maybe, you know, and then we always justify it. Well, my service wasn't that good. You should try it. Then tell people you're Christian because that's really what it's about. Is to give a little bit more. Like, I know you thought you deserve 20%. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to bless you today. Not because you deserve it. Not because it, it's not even expected. I'm going to give you more than that. I know I should come to work at 9 o'clock, but I'm today, today, I'm going to give a little more than expected. I'm going to walk in at 845. <laughs> I'm going to beat the boss to work today. It, it, when you live your life like that, I'm just telling you, you catch the attention of God. You, you'll run out of paper writing all the blessing that happens. You're like, I got a raise. It didn't even take me complaining. Well, duh. Right? Jesus has duh moments with these people. And we live so opposite of this. And we think, ah, it'll still work out. There's this one time in Exodus chapter 35, it's an Old Testament story. Moses is building the first church, the first tabernacle to kind of encompass God. He's like, God needs a building. Build him a building. And so he goes to the people and he says, you know, he has the first building campaign. He says, we're building a building. Can you all just give? Just stop asking me for stuff for one second. Just can you all just stop complaining for just one time? Children of Israel, please, come on. Jesus, God just did an amazing thing. We're out of Egypt. Come on, you all just complaining about everything. Can you all just please, just give, just please. You should go read it. It's literally like that. Like Moses is tired. You can tell he's kind of getting old. He's just tired of it. And the Bible literally says that the people were hearts were stirred. And, and in verse 21 it says, the hearts were stirred and their spirits moved and they came and brought offerings to the Lord. And then the next chapter in verse 5, he says, then they went to Moses and reported the people have given more than enough. Everybody say more than enough. Yeah, yeah, they, they gave more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. And so Moses gave this command. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard. I've never heard a pastor do this when he had a building campaign. He walks up and he says, men and women, don't prepare any more gifts in the sanctuary. We have enough. Stop giving. Y'all been so generous and so amazing, so selfless. Just stop. It's too much said no pastor in the history of church because he knew he's like this is these people get it that they there was an expectation we're trying to build the tabernacle and what you find out later is they not only were able to build the tabernacle they were able to do a whole lot of other stuff to bless the people why because they're generous and it affects not just the person it affects the people and by the way just i'm just going to give you a warning the moment you start to live like this, people are going to judge you. Because what's going to happen is, is in order for you to be generous right now, because some of you are like, okay, I'm going to live like this. Here's just a warning. When you start reallocating funds, be ready. Somebody's going to say something. You giving what to the church? How are we supposed to go on our vacation? You're doing, you're staying how late after work? How are we supposed to go do what we were supposed to go do? You, you're still talking to that person after they did all that to you? People are going to say something. Because anytime somebody starts to live their life generously, they're going to wonder, why is it affecting me? So I'm just telling you, whenever you start to give a little more than you expected, People are going to be like, what are you doing? 
And you're going to be like, no, nah, it's just the way I live. It's the way I roll. Sorry. Daughter of the king. You know what I'm saying? Whatever you want to do. <laughs> you, know, you know how people are. It's weird. You know, you all just, people do weird stuff. So anyway, um, how can you do more than expect in your time and your family and your job and your giving and your marriage? Try that in your marriage. See what happens. We're talking about generosity. Third one is this, and I'm done. I'm done. Generous people. This is how you know. How do you know you're generous, right? We're trying to be generous to position ourselves. The art of being blessable. So we're like, I want to be blessed. Generous people give to see the impossible possible. That's my favorite thing about generous people, generous families, is that when they give, they're looking to see God do something crazy. God, I don't want to see you do something crazy. Just, wow, just shock me, God. 747, he says, I tell you her sins, and they are many. So she's got a lot of sins, a lot of problems. This, this woman's messed up. Have been forgiven. They're, they're gone. And so she has shown me so much love, but a person is forgiven little. only shows little love. And he says this. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Remember, go back to the story. She was crying. She had tears. She was broken. She was lost. She was forgotten. She was ignored. She was the ill of society. She was... Treated terrible. And she comes to Jesus and she's like, man, I just, this is impossible. I know this is impossible. I know. Because you see everything I've done. And this is, this is, this is crazy. And you shouldn't let, you should, you should listen to those guys. You shouldn't be letting me near you. Because I'm probably going to ruin your reputation. And I just, I'm sorry, but I can't do it. There's nothing else that I can do. This is impossible. And her generosity created a moment for Jesus to do the impossible. Let me be clear. Your generosity does not save you. But it catches the attention of the one who can. I wonder, I wonder if there's an impossible situation in your life right now. And you think, you think, nothing's going to change it. And you've cried, and you've been afraid, and you felt like, I can't get through this. And I just wonder if the lesson of the lady with the alabaster jar can teach us something. That maybe I need to live generously right now to create this moment. I just want to catch your gaze, God. Because what I need from you right now is a miracle. And honestly, the only person who I know who can do a miracle is you. So I need you to look at this. And I need you to step in and make the impossible possible. Maybe my favorite story in all the Bible. It's in all four Gospels. And it's, um, it's found in Matthew 14, 14, if you ever want to go look at it. And there's this little kid. And he, uh, he, he'd just be walking. And Jesus has got a huge following. And the Bible says there's like more than 5,000 people there. More. Everybody say more. So it wasn't just 5,000 more. It's a lot. It's just men. They didn't count the women and children. They got a lot of people. And his kids walking by Jesus. And there's an impossible situation. And they need to feed him. And this kid has got a Lunchable. He got that, that nasty one. It's like the pizzas. You know what I'm saying? that you don't cook, and they just put the sauce and the cheese. Don't feed your kids that. That ain't even food. And so he's got pizzas, and Jesus says, what do you got there, son? And he 
said, uh, he said, I just got this lunch. And Jesus said, is that all you have? He said, yeah, that's all I got. He gave his personal best. That's all he had. He was a kid. And Jesus puts on a buffet for thousands of people with that. He saw the impossible, right? Possible. And I just wonder, I just wonder if you're struggling right now and you have a moment where you're in a possible situation, I'm trying to convince you to be generous right now. Some of you are in an impossible situation in your marriage. Generosity is the key. It could be that key that breaks the barrier of the impossible. Some of we've all laid in bed and just think about the fight that we just had and we're like, I don't know how we're going to get through this. Come on. Just me and my wife. Anybody else? Okay. Generosity is the key. Some of you right now in your job, you feel like there's no way this is a dead end. Jesus specializes in dead ends, just by the way, just so you know. He specializes in it. He loves dead ends because he likes to bring them to life. It's kind of his thing. It's a specialty. Maybe it's with your kids. You feel like there's an impossible moment with your kids. Some of you have a prodigal. Somebody's walked away. Somebody's not doing right. Some of you are worried that he's about to not do it right. You're worried where she's at. I'm telling you right now, the answer, generosity. You can find a way to be generous in that situation. If you're struggling financially right now, woo, I'm just telling you, take, take the word of an old school Pentecostal preacher. That's who I am. I'm just telling you, you want to change your money? You got to learn to be generous. I'm just telling you. I'm going to teach on it this year. I'm going to full on get in it, make everybody mad. It's going to be awesome. That's not today, but it's coming. Because we need it. Your gen- generosity changes your situation, not the church's. God, God, God does it. it God just, ble- it just how he works. And so if you're, you need an, an impossible situation. I hear this a lot. This is my pastor, so hear me. I hear this a lot. When I get money, then I'll be able to be generous. I just want you to know it doesn't work like that. Because if you can't give when you don't got no money, you don't give when you get it. You're like, How can I not give when I don't have no money? No, I promise you, you can find a way to give when you don't got no money. But when you don't give when you ain't got no money, you don't give when you... I know we think like that, like, no, don't worry. When I hit the lottery, I will be the most generous person ever. It doesn't... And all the givers of the church say, Amen. You know that. It doesn't work like that. God says, you have an impossible situation financially. I'm telling you, you got to learn to be generous. So I'm not even saying, look, I believe in giving to the church, but if you don't want to give to the church, you better learn how to let that thing go. Make, it, make sure it's not a God in your life. Make sure it's not a God in your life. It's important. So today, 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 generous people give to see the impossible. Is that you? Generous people, they, 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 they find a way to give more than expected. Is that you? And generous people always give their personal. Everybody say personal. They give their personal best. Not my personal best. They give their personal best. They consult. God, what's my personal best? I want to be blessing and generous to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God. Thank you today, God. You spoke to us. Oh, man. I'm so grateful for you. You gave us your best. You 
gave us your best. You give us your best. It's only, it's only just that we give you ours. Lord, run the selfishness out of my heart. Run the fear out of my heart. Run poverty out of my heart. We are not, we, we live to serve a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That you lack for nothing. I love that Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Help me to live that life in your name.